Back in the studio, we have Katrina Shanks, the Chief Executive of Financial Advice New Zealand. Welcome back, Katrina. Thank you for having me. Yeah, last time you were here, you were quite new in the job, and now you know you've 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 seen a lot of the financial advice sector. And, and I, I read somewhere that you've actually got your own financial advisor now. How's that process been? I do have my own financial advisor who's totally transformed my life. Yeah. So, yep, it's been a great experience. And I, I, once again, I hadn't had financial advice before I took this role, and I thought it was really important they understood what that looked like. So why hadn't you done it beforehand? I don't know. I mean, I think like most people, you know, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty competent. I'm a chartered accountant by trade. I understand, you know, business, and I understand my own finances, and I know how to read a contract. So I thought I didn't need it, but actually now that I've had advice, I realise just how invaluable it is and how it gives you a different lens of looking at things, and it's totally transformed my life. So is that a story you're going to take out into a more public way? So a couple of weeks ago, it did go a little bit more public when we wrote about that journey, and I wrote about an opinion piece and stuff, mm. and had a lot of feedback from that, I've got to say, but absolutely everywhere I go, I talk about this journey of seeking financial advice and how it can change your life, because mm. I truly believe it does, and that's what we're here for at Financial Advice New Zealand, and that's what financial advisors do every single day. They help people to increase their financial health, wealth and well-being. Mm. So the other day you were saying to me, and good on you for doing that, but the other day you were saying to me that um, you're, you've been surprised at how um, resilient the financial advice sector Absolutely. is because it's gone through so much change. Can you sort of tell me a bit about what you've seen there? Well, a huge change, you know, not just through the legislation. Mm. So obviously we had IFSLA um, come through, which has set an environment which FAPs are going to operate in in the future. So that's, you know getting your mind around what does a licence look like, what are my liabilities look like, is not mm. only as my company but also myself because you've got duties under both. So that's been quite a journey and then on the top of that you've got you know the disclosure requirements, you've got full mm. licensing coming in and then also we've had environmental change with you know how the different dealer groups and aggregators have, have looked to, mm. to add value to the process as well, which they do. And then on top of that we've had Kofi come in for um, conduct and culture for for product providers and companies and their reaction mm. to what that looks like as well has changed the environment slightly. So just as you think that the environment is settled, there's another change that's come into the environment. So, so do you think financial advice, you know, financial advisors have faced far more change than other professions? I think so. I, mm. I was reflecting on this a few weeks ago and I can't think of any other sector which has gone through change so quickly over such a short period of time, and, and it's been significant change. But not just change from legislation, change from their commercial agreements and the environment they work in and the market as well. So the only thing that's really constant is the good advice that they give every single yeah. day. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Totally. And, and, and turning to um, some work being done by your organisation, Financial Advice New Zealand, the trusted advisor. So, so that was something which got talked about right at the formation That's of right. the association. I've nearly called it a shortened name. Which Don't do that. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> um, so, so why has it taken so long to get there and, and how difficult has it been to put together? So obviously when the three organisations came together, um, they wanted to develop a quality mark, mm -hmm. and that's actually in our constitution that it was be to be developed. And so that was one of the briefs I had when I first came in, and that it's been two years in the making. Because the environment has been changing so much, and it's really understanding where the legislation and the regulation was going to sit, so what does that base level of compliance mm -hmm. look like? Then understanding the different values um, which were coming out through the dealer groups and aggregators and the conduct and culture coming through as well, where that was all going to land, that's taken a while mm. um, to land in a certain place. 
So now that we understand what the environment is looking at, it was much easier to create um, the quality mark, which means something. It means something not just to advisors, but also to consumers. So one of the questions which I wonder about is, you know, so if you've got an advisor, one of your members out there, and they're using this quality mark and something goes wrong, how, how are you going to manage that? Uh, like every process, we'll have a process in place which will say, you know, you, there are certain things that we expect of you as a member. Mm. There are certain things that you have to have in place um, to have the trusted advisor mark. Mm. So there are five criteria that we've got in there, and that's experience, um, qualification, ethics, PI, and there's one more, which is... PI, ethics, 20 hours, CPD. CPD, 20 hours. Thank you, for, thank you for that help. Yeah, so there are those components which are the criteria to get it. Mm. But once again, it is all about conduct and culture, and it's all about being professional, mm. and our membership, our membership already got rules around that. Mm. Will there be some sort of disciplinary process in there if something goes wrong? Well, not so. We do have that anyway, mm -hmm. and as a member, you have to you have to act with integrity, and we have all the criteria in our membership as it is. Mm. This is just a mark that stands a little bit beyond the membership to say, I am committed to my profession, and I am going to do these things to show that commitment for this mark. So, what percentage of your members do you think will go for a trusted advisor status? Well, think we think quite a few. There'll be some that will already be eligible for that. So, for people just. CFP, CLUs, for example. Who so will they get it automatically? Um, we're considering that. That's yeah. part of the consultation process. Mm -hmm. So obviously there'll be some that already meet that mark. AFAs mainly will meet that mm -hmm. mark as well, maybe apart from the ethics component. So there'll be some which will really meet that mark. Mm -hmm. And so this consultation period is about teasing that out. Mm -hmm. And should we allow people in straight away or should we, you know, let the process just go slowly and you apply for it. So, and the consultation, has it been all quite similar or are you getting lots of variations in there? Yeah, we've had fantastic feedback actually. Mm. So it's been a really, and it was, it was really genuine consultation as mm. well. We really want to hear what the membership think about this and also the other stakeholders out there, mm. what they think about the mark and where it's landed. It's been overwhelmingly supportive of it. There has been um, feedback around, you know, should someone be grandparented in? Should we be looking at longer three instead of five, five instead of three years of experience? Mm. You know, should it be qualification based? Should it be a higher qualification? So we've had lots of different feedback, but overall really supportive of where we've landed with the trusted advisor. So you think most of them will go into this or? I think there'll be a majority of mm. members that'll look to enter and mm. meet the criteria. But it's a journey, and for those which don't quite meet the criteria, for example, haven't got three years of experience or haven't quite got their qualification yet, we think it's really obtainable for financial advisors mm. to get this mark. So do you think it'll be different between the, you know, the insurance, the mortgages, and the investment space, or all similar? Um, well, with the new legislation, we're all similar, and we're all the same, and we all give regulated financial advice. Mm. So we're all on the same journey together, and I think what the government has done with the legislation is they're saying, we expect anybody that gives financial advice to be a professional. Mm. So that is the indications which the government has thrown through this legislation, that we expect people to be professional. And also in the licensing conditions, you know, they're showing levels of professionalism for the businesses as well. Mm. You know, what does professional business look like? So that's certainly where um, the government is going. And I think it's certainly what the consumer expectation is, mm -hmm. that when they deal with a fi financial advisor, they get a professional service. And absolutely most advisors already do that. Yeah. And how are you going with membership numbers? 
Uh, they're pretty static, so yeah. we're in renewals at the moment and uh, and looking really positive, so we're really pleased. Yeah, good. And lastly, we'll just touch on Kofi, the combat legislation. Um, you're supportive of it, but you've got a few areas that you'd like to see some changes. What are they? Yeah, absolutely. So we're all for good conduct. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, of course we are, as everybody else is in the sector. So really it's about understanding the powers which have been given through regulation for licensing on remuneration. Mm -hmm. We think those powers are too wide and too far-reaching. Mm -hmm. I can't think of any other industry where your remuneration is set in licensing conditions. Mm -hmm. So we think that reach has been most probably a little bit too far. We've got concerns about FAPs have been excluded from this legislation but um, individual advisors haven't. So, but we think that's, that's just drafting error. Yeah. So we'd like to see that being fixed in the drafting and explic explicitly excluding financial advisors from that legislation, I think is really important as well. Do you think it'll get through before the election? No. No, so a long way to go? Long way to go yet. Yeah. And I think you know everybody's focused on getting some of the other um, legislation through. And I think this legislation and everybody that submitted had the same message mm. was that it needs a lot more work. Yeah. And and we know the officials Because it who, does feel as though it's been rushed, doesn't it? And it has been, and, you know, for the cycle of a piece of legislation, mm. it has absolutely been mm. rushed. And the officials have worked really hard to get what they've got in place um, into select committees. So, you know, I, I appreciate the work and the hours they've put in, because they absolutely mm. have. But I think it was fairly rushed. And I think good legislation comes from good consultation. Yeah. Oh, well, as an ex-MP, you'll, you'll know these things. <laughs> Indeed, I, I do know what rush legislation yeah. looks like, and normally it's not that hot. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. We've run out of time. Thank you very much for coming in again, and lovely to see you. Thanks for having me.